What is up, everyone? Good morning, good evening from wherever you are listening. I am here with Paul, episode number 25 on Health Talk Radio. And I am here to learn today because this stuff is going to go way over even my head. We're going to try to break it down, but we're going to talk about the best blood markers for fat loss. And I know you are going to geek out today, Paul, aren't you? Well, yeah, do you know what? Initially, I was going to, excuse me, I was going to geek out a little bit and get in the weeds on it. And then I thought that's pretty pointless because we want usable information that makes sense. And actually, what the ones I want to talk about today, some of them people will think, oh, yeah, that's obvious. But some of them won't even come into people's um, conscious when it comes to things like fat loss. So when we're talking about, let me just, let me just, I want to, I want to really package this for people because when I'm hearing blood markers for fat loss, are these like the blood markers that, um, you know, how do they relate to fat loss specifically? Like that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm going with this. Like if they're high, that means I should, I, you know, my fat is stuck. If they're low, like how, what's the correlation between the markers we're going to talk about and fat loss? That's exactly what we're going to talk about each marker. And then what that relates to when it comes to, fat loss and, and whatnot mm-hmm. but but here's <clears throat> the real purpose of doing this today many people will blame lots of different reasons why they can't lose the weight yes your brother did it for decades yes he did right? yep it, it, and and often they will look at it and say oh my blood's i don't know i bet i've got this or i've got that or whatever it is or i've got a slow metabolism or i'm heavy boned or you know, whatever they want to use sure. as, as an excuse. Yep. And <clears throat> these blood markers um, are all related to reasons why you may not be burning as much energy as optimally you should do, which brings us back to an episode we did many weeks ago, calories in, calories out, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can look at a chart and it says, for the standard person of this age and this weight, this is how many calories a day you burn. Yes. But actually that's relating to what they view as a normal metabolic healthy person, which we don't ever see anyway. And then it's an average at the best of times. So actually there's probably no real value in counting calories because it doesn't really make a difference what it says on the page. What makes a difference is, did you lose weight this week? Did you put weight on or did you stay the same? Yes. And then you know, okay, I need to eat more or I need to eat less or whatever it is, but that's your specific number. But all of these are related to things like energy production and hormones and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And, and so when you're, when you're talking blood markers, right? And I know that you do these very intricate, very personalized tests where you are looking at things that, you know, 99% of the doctors don't look at, will never see. Um, do doctors, I mean, are there doctors that are looking at these specific blood markers for fat loss? Like if I'm going to go to my, you know, general practitioner here and I'm going to get a blood panel, I don't ever remember him telling me, you know, here's why you can't lose weight. It's because of these markers. Yeah. Well, okay. So there are some very clever doctors who have the name uh, or, or the prefix doctor in front of their name, um, but they're not what you're going to find in your regular family physician's office. 
there are people that have come out of that industry, realize it doesn't work, and kind of do the stuff that I do. The ones that you go in to see a, a regular um, family physician, one, haven't got the time to really sit and discuss with you uh, in-depth markers. And two, and I'm being frank about this, they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It's not within their wheelhouse. And very often, they are restricted in what they can do because of their license. Mm-hmm. And we can get into a big, long debate about this whole licensing thing. But, you know, drug companies insist certain things take place and other things are not entered into because their goal is large profit. And if someone says, actually, we can cure this by doing this, just change this, do that. You don't need those diabetic drugs anymore for the rest of your life or that epilepsy drug, or that high blood pressure drug. Um, that's very, very against big farmers' uh, end result, right? It's against their their profits. And so um, they're restricted in what they can say and do. If it's not in your license, you'll get struck off. And doctors yeah. get paid pretty well, right? They go to school for a long time, and they yeah. get themselves in a position where they get paid well, and yeah. they don't really want to give up that that income so- stream. So... Yeah so, from yeah, so here's my question. And I know we got to get into it, but the, you know, for the people that are listening, when I hear you say that, you know, when I see, when I hear you say, you know, it, it's largely because of, of profit, how do you, you know, that just, it's really sad and it, and it's, and it's frustrating and it makes me mad because you see so many people do whatever their doctor tells them to do. Take this, okay, do this, okay. And when you really think about it, right, we should be questioning everything that they say with this awareness that we're sharing right here on this podcast. Like they are in it for profit. And in order for that to happen, you need to continue to see them and take what they give you. Yeah, basically. I'm tough. But but the but that's the culture. That's how it was designed from the get go. How do we create this profitability around people's sickness? And people will do anything to get their health back. Yep. Um, but it's interesting actually when I sit down with them and start talking about the difference between you know what I do and what a doctor does and how much we get results that are. You know, much longer lasting, much more beneficial, and it's not just in your health; it's in your enjoyment of life. You're, you know, having being happy every day, and just just having a wonderful time in your experience while you're here. Um, but there's a big cost to it. It's not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you get two sets of people: one that go, "No, that's expensive, and I don't think it's worth it." And, you go, mm, okay. and others that go, "Yeah, I'm I'm down for it, and I can't wait to." to do another year if I have to, or whatever it is, because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And the people that kind of tend to not see value are the ones that are looking for the pill for the ill, right? They want the quick fix. Mm-hmm. And what they're getting from the doctor is the quick fix that they think. But actually what they're getting is someone treating their symptoms. Right. Got high blood pressure, here's a statin. Sorry, got high cholesterol, here's a statin. Got high blood pressure, here's a beta blocker, or here's another um, hypertensive medication. 
Um, and so, okay, I can take that pill here, you know, type two diabetic, here's metformin, you can keep eating the donuts and the, and the, the pasta or whatever it is. Um, and what it means is that only their symptom is being treated, but the underlying cause of the cholesterol or the high blood pressure or the, um, the diabetes isn't ever being treated. Because if it was, there'd be no need for the meds. And if there's no need for meds, there's no need for pharmaceutical companies. So the difference is a doctor will treat your symptom. They will never cure the underlying problem yeah. or even that's investigate it. That's frustrating to hear because we hold them to, to such a high <laughs> standard, right? You know, they're in that lab coat. They come out, you know, and I haven't been to the doctor in a, little, uh, a really long time, but I remember the few times that I have or I had to bring my kids in and they walk in with that white coat, you know, and that pocket protector and right and everything that you're that you that they tell you, you're like, OK, OK, doc, you know, I know you got my best interest in mind. OK, doc. OK. But the truth is, is that they re really don't have your best interest in mind. And, well, and I, well, I'm going to interject there because I do think they come from a good place. I do think. Oh. From, how, how well, though? Well, here's the how thing. how here's how because their training, yes, their, their indoctrination, their, their their cultural belief, indoctrination. Of, you of said being, it. yeah, of being in a in a you know a, a, a college and studying for years and years, and the same messaging being put to them forward and forward over and over again. That is their belief, and they are. I understand, coming, but they're truly coming from that belief. Which means oh my they're doing it in their mind, yeah, in the best way. Uh, they're not sitting there and setting up shop specifically to, you know, rinse your insurance company out of every penny they've got. They're doing it because they think they're coming from a good place. And this is what is even more interesting to understand. I've dealt with many doctors who have come out of general practice yes yeah because they realize after 10 20 30 years that it does not work yeah but i would and be, i would move and they move into the functional medicine space that we train them in to, yep. to be able to you know transition into a, a more useful phase of their practice because they realize that that stuff doesn't work long term and, and i so, would argue paul Paul, yeah. I'm going to cut you off there. I, I would argue, here's what I, I would argue, that they realize it a lot longer, or I'm sorry, a, uh, in a lot, lot less time than 20 to 30 years. I would argue that, <laughs> and I would say that it took them 20 to 30 years to make the jump because of whatever, financial, yeah. whatever it is, right? And that's but, not that's not my, that's not me. To, I'm not here to tell them what to do, but I know yeah. that these people are realizing it a lot sooner because the information is out there. Yeah, but you know what? It's difficult when you're, when you're having to completely question what you believed so for yeah. so long, it's like, yes. wow, how do I, how do I get across this thing that something I believed for so long with all my heart, I'm now questioning. Crack a shit. That's yeah. a difficult thing to come yeah. to terms with. Taking on time. Difficult pill to swallow. I wish though. I wish all pills were that difficult to swallow because yeah. then people may <laughs> stop taking them. <laughs> yeah. All right, but let's yeah, get into so blood. Let's get into the blood markers. We went off. Yeah. We, we've been we've been really really consistent with our rants, though, haven't we? I know we 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 talked a lot of nonsense and not really going anywhere. So, all right. So, listen. Here's the first one, and um, first one is what the first um, area that I would look at is iron. Iron and yeah, and iron isn't necessarily 
you know, isn't normally seen as being anything to do with fat loss per se. Sure. But what's the correlation? So how does it how how does iron in, in different levels yeah. correlate with fat loss? So iron mm -hmm. helps with transporting oxygen around the body. Okay. And you need oxygen to create energy. Um, if you've got low iron, and it doesn't necessarily mean just low serum iron, because there are various iron measurements. But if you have low iron or low hemoglobin, so low red blood cell count, you're not tra um, transporting oxygen around to where it needs to go, and therefore your energy is going to be far less than mm -hmm. it could be, right? Now, yeah. if you've got less energy, you're not burning as much energy. Ah, so I got a question for you as I'm hearing this, Paul. So if you're looking at, you know, if 10, 10 people, and let's just let's just say women, right, for the sake of this, 10 women come up to you and they all are having trouble losing weight. What are the chances that, you know, what's the percentage that you would see among those women. So how many out of those 10 would you likely see low iron or, or an iron deficiency? Uh, that is a very difficult one. And it also, if you're untrained, it would yep. also depend on when you took the bloods. Right. Because if you take it just after their period, you're probably going to see low iron because they've been bleeding. Mm -hmm. And people don't always take that kind of thing into account. They go, oh, look, you've got low iron. And therefore, we need all these supplements and whatnot. And actually, that's a very transient thing. It's not a chronic thing, right? It okay. happens once a month for a couple of days, yeah. the low iron, I mean, and then it's back to normal. So you have to make sure it's, it's measured at the right time. If you've got a chronic low iron issue, um, the percentage, mm, you're probably going to see it in a, in a relative like 30, 35%. But for the ones that you're seeing it in, the the the, the question is why is it low? Mm -hmm. For and, sure. Yep. And and finding out that reason is a lot more useful than taking an iron supplement. But the reason I'm bringing this one onto the list is because it is never looked at from that perspective. It's always looked at from um, like the health of red red blood. And it gives us a marker, uh, the iron storage gives us a marker of potential parasitic infection or viral infection. Um, but when it looks at low energy, we see it a lot with low energy. But if you're tired, you need iron. You're tired, you need iron. But it's not about the level. It's about why is it low? And that's a completely different um, thing to deal with. So looking at iron and making sure you've got enough means that if you are low in iron, you will burn fewer calories because you just won't have the energy. Interesting. And okay. so if you're, that correlates. Yeah. if you're burning lower cal calories, your calorie intake needs to be adjusted accordingly. But yeah. the problem is when you're low in iron and you feel tired, the first natural instinct is not to eat less. The instinct is to eat more. Yeah, yep. And so it's a double whammy. It's like you're putting more calories into a big compromised um, system. That means you're, you're even more likely to add some sort of weight gain. That is a gets really powerful. That's great. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Hope you guys are taking notes, the people that are but, listening. But iron. It's a yeah. good thing to be checked anyway. And there are various yeah. various elements of iron to be checked. Um, yeah. And then you've got an obvious one, which is your thyroid. Yep. And if people okay. aren't aware, your thyroid um, is, the main thing it's in charge of is metabolism, energy generation, cellular function, that kind of thing. And obviously, if metabolism, which is the amount of energy that your cells produce, is elevated, you're probably going to burn more calories. Now, if it's depressed, you're certainly going to burn less calories. But what does it take for the thyroid to work properly? This is something that your doctor is actually probably not going to investigate um, to the to the depth of detail it needs to be investigated and what i mean by that is this the main marker for thyroid is called tsh thyroid stimulating hormone and that tsh tsh yeah and and that doesn't do anything actually it's just a signal from the brain to the thyroid which is a hormone gland and it tells it to make thyroid hormone Mm-hmm. And so the message is sent. And if you've got low TSH for some reason, then that has to be dealt with. TSH goes to the thyroid and that makes something called thyroxine T4. And T4 is a, a relatively non-active form of thyroid. So it doesn't have a massive influence on um, metabolism or cellular energy production. T4 has got to be converted to the active form, the one that does have a main impact on your metabolism and energy production, and that's T3. So TSH, signal from the brain to the thyroid, make T4. T4 cannot be made sufficiently if you have deficiencies in zinc or copper or vitamins A or B2 or B3 or B6 or vitamin C, all of those things will decrease your ability to produce T4. This is not a thyroid problem, right? This is a cofactor issue, which means the thyroid could be working perfectly well, the signaling is perfectly good, but you don't have the cofactors needed, zinc, copper, vitamin A, vitamin B2, B3, B6, vitamin C, you don't have what's needed for for that t4 to get produced okay so there's a differentiation and then that has to be converted to t3 to get any value and t3 needs zinc and iodine and selenium and it also needs bile salts made made by the gallbladder and by um the digestion and if the bile salts aren't there you don't get that effective conversion so there are a lot of things that this stuff depends on just measuring tsh doesn't tell you anything because it's not active it doesn't tell you what the active form is it just sits there giving a signal excuse me sorry and um understanding the pathway and how many things you need to measure on there is vitally important go Mm -hmm. to a doctor he says your tsh is fine then they tend, they tend not to do T4 and certainly not T3 because they're more expensive. So the TSH is lovely, but it doesn't mean everything's working. Because we've got all these cofactors in the middle that can prevent that from working properly. 
So iron, thyroid, and in mm-hmm. all its in all its functions. Yep. And then cholesterol. Cholesterol is uh, an interesting one because cholesterols are often measured for cardiovascular risk. Yeah, right? I mean that's um, all I've ever heard. Yep. Yeah, yep. cardiovascular. Got to bring your cholesterol down. Got to bring your stress down. Got to bring it down. Yep. You know, your heart. You're gonna have a heart attack. Right. right. And <clears throat> kinda, um, and it definitely is related to cardiovascular disease. And cardiovascular disease, along with cancer and dementia, are the three main killers in the US today. They take more lives than anything else. Diabetes. Cardiovascular. Cancer. So, so cardiovascular disease. Cancer. Cancer. And what was the third one again? Cardiovascular disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's and dementia. Alzheimer's and dementia. <laughs> Sorry for all this coughing today. Um, you got you got a little bug in your throat. No, do you know what it was? I, I had a drink before we started, and some of it went down the wrong way, and I can still feel it kind of at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and so <clears throat> it's what they call a frog in the throat, so I apologize. Anyway, the, and the thing with cholesterol um, and the cardiovascular disease is it's such a prevalent killer, and yet all that's being done is statins. Right, which is this drug to reduce cholesterol. But the cholesterol is not high because you have a statin deficiency. Mm-hmm. The cholesterol is high because there's an underlying issue driving inflammation. The, inf- the, the, the high cholesterol is protective against this inflammatory response. So you mean to tell me that eggs... The yolk in the eggs don't <clears throat> cause high cholesterol. No. Do you know how many people that I talk to that will tell me, yeah, I just got back from the doctor. They told me that I had high <laughs> cholesterol. I'm not eating the yolks. I'm not eating, say, I'm not eating certain things that are, in my opinion, healthy foods yeah. because their doctor told them mm. that it was, that it's going to reduce their cholesterol. Okay, so firstly, if you want to reduce cholesterol, eating yolks is a really good way to do it. But we're told not to. We're let told that, the opposite. Let that sink in for a bit, right? Um, there, there are good monounsaturated mono fats in there. They're very healthy. Can I ask um, you a question? Why, why if, if you're telling me that I should eat the yolk to reduce cholesterol... And the doctor that I've been going to for the last decade is telling me to not eat them yep. because I need to bring my cholesterol down. Why the hell is he telling me that? Well, he's misinformed to start with. Yeah. And he's a doctor and he's got, and he's, and he's got hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars worth of education, but he's misinformed. He is. Yeah. yeah that's and, sad. Uh, but on, on top of that, if, if I tell you. It pisses me it, off. Yeah. It fucking pisses me off. If I tell you how to do it naturally, then there's no reason for you to buy that drug. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. <clears throat> Dietary cholesterol, so good fats, some saturated fat, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, good fats, omegas, are needed for the body to work correctly and be healthy. Mm-hmm. The problem is the tra- um, the trans fats and the oxidized fats? Give me an example. Give, yeah, give well, give. What's a trans fat, and so how, is, anything, how is it different? Anything that you're going to find in a processed food, yeah, chips, has, yeah, has been highly highly heated. 
Right. So once they're heated, a potentially healthy fat oxidizes, the molecule chains become a different type of molecule, and that is destructive to our health. Mm-hmm. So eating lots of heavily fried foods that are also processed and have got huge amounts of additives in them will no doubt raise your cholesterol. They're raising your cholesterol for two reasons. One, you're taking in bad fats, which are sitting around in your system. And two, they are causing inflammation because they're destructive to us. So the inflammation is driving cholesterol up as well as the bad fat that you're eating. In a world where there was no processed foods and trans fats and highly heated fats, when it was all, you know, grass-fed beef and eggs and um, I'm trying to think of other things, uh, dairy, for example. Yeah, before it was, you know, pasteurized a thousand times. Yeah, and, and, and all the stuff that's good, we didn't have the cholesterol issues. Mm-hmm. So when did cholesterol, high cholesterol, when did that start to when did that start to run rampant? Do you do do you recall? Yeah, so it's an interesting one because well, it's not that interesting actually. It's it's a bit of a an, another example of how government and money dictates what goes on. But there was a a famous study done in the fifties by a guy called Ansel Keys, who was yep. who's who was instrumental in designing the meals for the soldiers in World War Two, American soldiers. So. Things that they would take with them um, on the battlefield and 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 eat, so they could sustain themselves during these these wars, right? Anyway, so he was pretty well known for the, to the government, and for lots of reasons, he was doing a, um, a research study, um, and there was a correlation between the um, amount of saturated fat that somebody ate. And the level of uh, cardiovascular disease, so heart disease. And he said, look, if we take this information, we can see that people that eat less saturated fat have less heart disease. And people that eat more saturated fat have more heart disease. So the narrative now is eat low fat and you will save your heart attack from happening and, yep, all the time. and let's run that low fat, high carb diet. Right. Mm-hmm. The truth of it was <clears throat> the study was done across 22 different countries worldwide. I remember reading this. I think and, was- and, and what he did in the um in the paper that he wrote was that he cherry-picked seven of them, which showed the correlation he wanted. If you take the mean average of all 22 countries, there's absolutely no correlation between saturated fat intake and heart disease. Yeah. This is our time before the prevalence of processed foods, trans fats, all of that kind of terrible stuff. So as time went on and people were eating low fat, high carb, we realized that sugar and metabolic issues also drove inflammation, which drove cholesterol and then we started getting these high cholesterol problems Mm -hmm. eat margarine do you remember that stuff margarine i do yep Yep. um 
that took a perfectly good fat, a liquid. Just, yeah, I remember eating margarine. My poor mom didn't know. Then hydrogenated it under pressure and heat to yeah. make it into a solid and, and created probably the worst thing in the world for you to put in your body. Yeah. Um, so why is it having, what does it have to do with, with fat loss? Well, if you're, if you've got cholesterol problems, it's because you're inflamed. If you're inflamed, your cells are going to poorly, like ineffectively produce energy. Mm-hmm. So why I'm starting is it, to see the what, correlation here, right? It's, it's all about energy production right. in the body, iron, right? right? Your thyroid, your cholesterol, that all leads to poor efficiency in energy exertion, right? Energy production. Yeah, absolutely. Energy production. So think about, think about your brother um, mm-hmm. three months ago. Yep. You know, he wasn't the most energetic guy in the world. No, man. Shout out to my brother too. I don't know if he's going to listen to this podcast, but 55 pounds in 90 days. Today is, today is day 90. We're taking pictures. 55 pounds. You've, got, you, you've only got to look at his videos and see like he's wasted away the boy, right? Yeah, he's like half the size. But, but uh, there's a couple of things here. Firstly, firstly, I want people to understand he has not counted one calorie. Not one fucking calorie, sorry. And he's only trained three days a week. Yeah. Half an yeah. hour. 20, 20 to 30 minutes, um, mostly walking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Right. And he's so, tried for two decades. He's tried for two decades. Yeah. And yeah. But, but coming back to the other point is when he was heavier, when he was 90 pounds heavier, he didn't have the energy. You know, he, he was tired. He was sick. He was broken. And now he's a different man. Yep. And the, one of the reasons was his cells were not producing the energy they needed to. Mm-hmm. And so he put the weight on. Obviously, he was eating too much, eating the wrong foods and all sorts of other things. And you've tied, you know, you've tidied it all up and made a really massive change to his life. But cholesterol would have been one of the issues. It's a shame we didn't do his bloods prior and then after, because that would have been a great comp- um, comparison. But you can just tell by looking at him how much better he is. Yeah. So cholesterol is down to inflammation. Inflammation is creating difficulty in producing energy. Difficulty producing energy, slower metabolism. Okay, so get your cholesterol done. And actually, like I say, cardiovascular disease being one of the biggest killers, um, there are some very specific, very, very detailed tests we can do because you can have kind of okay cholesterol profiles, but you can have very, very high risk cardiovascular issues if you know how to measure your cholesterol properly. And um, let me ask you this, with yeah. the the bloods and the testing and the stuff that you do with your team, how far out are you able to identify some of these things like cardiovascular disease, potential for cancer, et cetera? Well, we can, we can see it sometimes decades ahead. Wow. But, but here's the thing, right? Oh, I'm going to get off topic here. And I know you hate this because I ran a bit or, or I get in the weeds about things. So a few weeks ago, we spoke about my mother. She wasn't well. And, um, uh, and, and she spent a period of time in hospital. And, um, when I went to visit, she was on a ward with, um, five or six other ladies of the same sort of age. My mum's 84 and uh, they were all in their eighties and you could see they were all frail. They're all sick. They're all having a lot of problems. And, my mother has not done 
a stroke of exercise in probably 45 years. And you look at this scenario, this ward of these sick ladies, mm -hmm. and you just know that a lot of this could have been made better or prevented by exercising regularly, eating a decent diet, getting your sleep, managing your stress, doing all the things we talk about, plus doing regular blood work, getting ahead of things before they happen, do your um, toxicity mold, that kind of stuff, make sure you're on top of that. And when does that start? Well, we know that cardiovascular disease starts in the 20s, people in their 20s, mm. and it just builds over time. The problem is you can't tell a 20-year-old, listen, now's the time you need to set yourself up for when you're 50, 60, 80, 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Because at 20 years old, they're indestructible. They're like, listen, I've got this covered. I know what I'm doing. It's not going to happen to me, you know, and, and, and they're not listening. What's really interesting is now we are seeing more metabolic damage in younger people that we didn't ever see before. And, you know, we're seeing teenagers now with, with cholesterol markers, specific ones that are saying this is cardiovascular disease, you know, in the post it's on its way and if you don't do something about it now we're going to see these big problems later on the other issue or the thing to remember is the earlier you start to do what you can to prevent these things happening the less of a change you need to make because you have much much longer to deal with it and you don't need to be, you don't need to make such mad radical lifestyle changes. Let's take Steve and your brother. If we had intervened 20 years ago, the change he would have needed to make would have not been as um, dramatic as it has been in the last 90 days, right? And he could have just made some little tweaks and got on with his life and probably never had the problem. And the goal is to never have the problem that you have to make the big lifestyle change. Sure. Never have the problem, which is me intervening and saying, we need to change your life from the ground up if you're going to make the next 10 years. Sure. Right. And, and that needs to happen young. And we can see that in a lot of people. But on top of that, we, we do someone's bloods and then we see, yeah, some of these things are, are saying that they're trending in the wrong way and we want to get them back on, on track. By intervening early, what it allows is this regular, maybe yearly checkup on your bloods and you just keep an eye on it. And when you see it start to drift out again for whatever reason, you know, someone got a promotion at work, they've been madly stressed for the last nine months, they missed their sleep, they start drinking a bit more. It's just that lifestyle had happened or they've gone through their divorce or whatever it is. We can get in front of it early and it never becomes an urgent problem. And so doing it as early as possible is massively important. And that's what our bloods are able to do. Although I will say most people come to us when they've already got the problems and sure. they have to unravel it all. Sure. Yep. So this is about that proactive right? That proactive health stance versus reactive health stance. And sometimes, yeah. right? Like I'm sure you see certain situations where it becomes reactive, but it's next to impossible to even get back, right? Because they're so far gone. So 
for the people that are listening, right? It's not, it's, it's about being proactive about your health now. And if you're in your twenties or thirties and you're listening to this, it's not too early and you're not too young. And it's, you know, because here's the thing, right? You, you mentioned it, right? Mold, toxins in the air, the air we breathe, the food, all of it has gotten progressively worse over time. Every year shit gets worse. And it's even more important now than ever to be proactive about your health because of the trajectory trajectory we are on as a, a society yeah, and just globally, world. Yeah. Globally, the whole thing is going to hell, basically. And the 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 culture, the normality of bad food and and lack of sleep and interaction with your device and poor water quality and everything else that is you know netflix and binge drinking and binge watching and whatever it is just the normality everyone does it what's the problem mm-hmm. well the problem is everybody is going to be sick or broken in a very short period of time yep so don't put just because everyone does it does not mean it's right you know yep. in the 20s in the in the in the 1910s and 1920s in the uk and and in america um cocaine was legal and everyone was doing it does that make it okay no in like the, the turn of the century 19th century going into the 50s and 60s in the uk certainly everybody smoked just normal kids yep. would start smoking at 12 10 years old, whatever it is, because their mum and the dad did it. They all lived in a house where they smoked clouds of this stuff everywhere all day long. It was normal. Everyone did it. Mm-hmm. That made it okay. It was all right. Yeah. Good point. Good Nowadays, point. everybody's on their phone. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. This was a really, really enlightening episode for me. I learned, I learned quite a bit, right? Iron, thyroid, cholesterol, all things that you need to monitor if, yeah. especially if you're stuck, but I know, you know, one of the things that we talked about is trying to or choosing to, I hate the word trying, but choosing to put some, some things out there that make these blood tests and working with you a little bit more accessible. And I know you want to bring more people into your sphere, help more people, serve more people. What can we do for these people who perhaps don't know where to go for a blood test and or be don't trust the person that is administering the blood test. For example, their doctor who isn't going to tell them the things that you're going to tell them or look at the markers that you're going to look at in the, you know, in the way that you look at them with all of the detail and knowledge that you have. Um, well, th- there's a couple more that I was going to go through, but I'm going to, I'm going to cut to the chase if you like, because it's going to be a, a more useful um, use of our time, I think today. And what I've done because we had this discussion and we wanted to get this out to the, the community. Um, I've managed to get a deal with um, a nationwide lab. And to anybody not living in the USA, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, we can't do it for you guys. But if you're in the USA, we can do this. Um, we have got a $1,900 blood test, which is... Um, 120, I want to say, markers, um, 123 biomarkers, 
Um, the report is around 82, 85 pages long, $1,900. It covers pretty much anything that you want to look at from a preventative and from a current issues perspective. And on top of that, it has a very detailed cardiovascular panel within it, right? So we will see not just your cholesterol, we will see your particle size, we will see the things that are occurring that we know increase cardiovascular disease risk and um, and it's hugely comprehensive. So $1,900 test and we are able to do it in the USA currently for $495. That's insane. Is, and I know because I've gone through them and I remember, yeah. I just remember the whole thing. But one thing I just want people to understand when we're comparing, right? Because it's like a blood test, right? My insurance covers that, no big deal. When you go to the doctor, how many markers, you know, you said your test is 123 markers, 84 yeah. pages, cardiovascular, extensive cardiovascular uh, panel. When you go to the doctor, how many markers are they looking at? Average test. Uh, I'd say anywhere between 12 and 40, maybe. Between 12 and 40 markers. Maybe so 50 you are, if, you, if you've uh, got some room in the investigation again. So, so if they're at 40, you are basically looking at three times as many markers yeah. as a standard test. And I want to also say in a much different light with a functional approach as opposed to here, take this statin, here, take this beta blocker, here, take this. You're actually going to do it in a way that um, is very refreshing and is going to treat the root, get to the root not put a band-aid on this thing because at the end of the day, and I know you, right? My mom's worked with you. Amanda's worked with you. My brother's going to work with you. I'm getting ready to work with you again. You don't want people to continue to see you because if they continue to see you, then ultimately you failed them. Yeah. Um, and so what I want to do with this blood test offer is get as many people able to do a significant piece of blood work that they generally won't be able to afford let's, let's face it not that many people have two thousand dollars to drop on a blood test right right well especially now to... inflation gas everything's going up yeah and so i want to get as many people to do it as they can because it is a starting point right it's the picture of where they're at yep and what you're going to get it, it's not just cholesterol and heart disease we're going to see your blood glucose your liver your kidneys your detoxification your immune system your hormones your um electrolytes uh, just everything right it's it's, a, it's it's a lot um and once the results come in um i will go through that report with you so that in itself is about an hour maybe longer to really go dig into it and tell you exactly i didn't even realize that you were going to include that part paul so yeah. not only is it the actual labs 123 markers, the 84 page report that they get to keep, they're also going to get an hour of your time. Yeah. Wow. And and the explanation as to what that actually means to them. And then some understanding behind what could be driving it and what could be causing it. I want to make this perfectly clear. It will not include how to fix it, because that is another big piece of work that can't possibly be covered in an hour. But what it will do is give you a very, very clear understanding as to where you're at. 
-hmm. And some of it might be just like, you know what? You're doing great. You're an amazing place. Keep this. And in a year's time and every year going forward, just get them done. Because when we start seeing things start getting sketchy, we can start preventing that cancer or that cardiovascular disease or that dementia or whatever it is. And so it's a great place to start. Or if it comes up with something significant, clearly I'm going to discuss that with the person and tell them, look, this is how you need to be able to think about approaching this. And we can maybe go on and do other bits of work if we have to. But the fact is, I want to be able to get a a blood test that people aren't going to really normally have access to into Mm -hmm. their hands so they've got an understanding of their health. Because when you see it visually, it is a very big motivator to make change, mm-hmm. right? You, it's all, all well and good saying, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I feel okay. There's nothing wrong. Well, most people say that just before they have their first heart attack. And knowing that things are going on and being able to see why you maybe need to get to sleep a bit earlier or, you know, maybe I need to make a small change in the amount of alcohol I'm drinking or whatever it is. Seeing it actually in your biology, that's a big motivator for people to change. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So we'll put this um, we'll put this link to schedule with Paul in the show notes. I'll write them right after this. Um, and let's get this episode live really fast. Like this is a really powerful one. I know you've yeah. got some more markers, but I want to stop there with just some last words. We're almost an hour in. And look, there's tons and tons of markers, right? It doesn't just stop with the three that you said here or the the two that we'll perhaps cover on another episode. Cause I think there's another episode to talk through with regards to markers. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this, that want to know more that, that geek out on this stuff. Um, but anything, any last words from you, Paul? I mean, this was great for me. It was very enlightening for me. You taught me things about our, about iron and thyroid and cholesterol that I did not know. Um, I thought it was great. And yeah. uh, I'm always grateful for that. So, so, so here's what I want to want to say. Right, firstly, there's going to be a link in the show notes, which will be for a, to make a call with me. Okay. When you click the link, it's going to ask you a couple of little questions, and answer the questions. Write down it's regarding the blood test, and then we are going to get on a call, which will be about twenty minutes or half an hour initially before we order a test. Okay. And the reason I say that is because. I want to have a discussion with you and just understand a little bit about your scenario. And then that allows me to make sure that we get the right blood test for you. But it will still be the same kind of money, but there might be a little bit that I'd like to tweak. I might want more of certain markers and other ones. So it's going to be a bit more bespoke than just a blanket, you know, just take this and see what happens. So do make the time. I will spend half hour with you talking it through because I want to get you the best one you can get. And then, here's the thing. I don't want to cut you off here, but like just that half hour with you will be priceless. Forget the blood test, forget like a half hour with you. Like I just, I know from being a good friend of yours and from learning from you over the last gosh, almost decade now. And also like you just got off the call with my mom and my mom is, you know, her life has been changed drastically. She's always talking about how beneficial the calls have been with you. And uh, and so for the people that are listening right now, I really, really encourage you to get on a call with Paul for the 20 to 30 minutes to learn, ask questions and see if this makes sense for you. Yeah, 100%. And then the other thing, the last thing I want to leave this with. So you mentioned it. All of this kind of fat loss energy production thing comes down to 
how much energy does your do your cells produce? Sure. Right. That another word for that is mitochondrial function. Sure. The mitochondria are the little powerhouses, little engines in the cells that create energy. Our longevity is directly correlated to the health of our mitochondria. If your mitochondria are sick and broken, you will be sick and broken. So when it comes to brain health, dementia, Alzheimer's, comes to cardiovascular, comes to cancer, which is a metabolic disease, when it comes to arthritis, when it comes to any anything that you want to think about that is not wellness, mitochondrial function is intrinsically involved in it. And when you, if you want to live to 100 and be healthy, those engines need to run very, very efficiently for a very long period of time. And so it's all about what it comes down to, which is that. No matter what markers you're looking at, which diet you're looking at, which sleep app you're looking at, it's about getting your mitochondria to be mm -hmm. as effective as possible so they can keep you running for as long as possible. I love it. And once you understand that, then your focus becomes much more useful. I love it. Awesome. 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 Well, I hope the people that are listening take you up on that. Find the link in the show notes, click it, give Paul 20 to 30 minutes of your time. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. I, um, I think I have one ask. If you haven't left a review, please do so. If you're listening to it on iTunes or you're listening to it on Spotify, you know, I haven't done a ton to promote this podcast quite yet, but there are some big things coming and we will get to a place where uh, we do some heavy promotion around this podcast in the uh, near future. We've got a couple of scientists coming on and some things uh, planned for you. So stay tuned. And again, thank you so much for listening. We love you.